Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am recording this on the last day of August. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this summer has gone by so fast. This is a place where I talk all about biohacking and optimal health and ancestral nutrition and natural detoxing and microdosing and plant medicine and all types of things. And so I interview different guests and sometimes I do personal Q and A's, which I would love to do another one. So you're always welcome to actually send me a question through Instagram about your health or something that you've been wondering about, or maybe it was something that I said that you have a question about. And I typically collect them and then I do a question and answer where I read out your question on here and give you my little two cents. And yeah, they're a lot of fun. I actually really enjoy the the question and answer episodes. But today we are not doing one of those. We are talking about the nasal biome and how we can support that. So we have a skin microbiome. We have the microbiome in our gut. Obviously, we also have a microbiome internally for women like vaginal, which is also interesting. And then we have one in our nasal cavities (laughs) or nose. So it's interesting to see all of the products and ideas that are coming out around the microbiome and the biome in general. Obviously gut health is so popular now. It's definitely mainstream. Everyone knows what a probiotic is. Everybody knows they should be eating some sort of like fermented food. Some people understand that, you know, prebiotics are also important. Some people even know what postbiotics are. And so we're really moving towards more microbiomes now. And I've seen this. And this was actually a prediction I had. I did a health prediction. I think it was for the start of 2021. It wasn't this year. I think it was last year. And I I posted it on Instagram and I said, like, this is what I foresee coming. And one of the things I said was, I think that skincare products are going to start focusing on skin microbiome. And lo and behold, there are a bunch of products out there now that have probiotics and healthy bacteria infused in them in order to help the healthy bacteria on our skin. So it's kind of cool seeing that happen. I'm also seeing more tests come out for the different microbiomes. So I know there's a company right now, I forget the name of it, but they are producing a vaginal microbiome test And based on your bacteria down there, they have all sorts of predicaments and predictions for different health concerns that you can have. So if you're somebody who has a lot of like UTIs or any type of problem like that, like obviously like doing a vaginal microbiome test makes sense for you, but it's also for people who may have irregular periods or fertility problems or ovarian cancer, like much, much bigger discussions, like endometriosis, PCOS. Like I think if we're talking vaginal microbiome, I think we are very much at the beginning stages of what we know about that, of the services available for that, of the products available for that. So 
That's really exciting. I think there's also a company testing for skin microbiome. I don't know much about that one. And then there's one, I actually have this test, I haven't done it yet. There's a company that's doing oral microbiome as well. So kind of like tests inside of your mouth and says like, okay, this bacteria in your mouth is related to this disease, this issue, that type of thing. So it's kind of cool. I really do see this market in general becoming very, very big, much bigger than it is right now in the next five, 10 years. And yeah, it actually just makes me think of like what type of product I should produce in relation to this. And yeah, I mean, I would probably go down the road of vaginal microbiome just because I am a female and women's health is very, very interesting. It's very complicated, but I don't think I would necessarily create a test just because there's a couple on the market that I already know about. But I also just wonder what just thinking out loud, like what a vaginal microbiome or probiotic suppository would look like. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting ideas. Yeah. I mean, lots of research needs, needs to be done. So today we talk about the nasal biome, the bacteria in our noses, what's going on, how healthy is it? And we actually also talk about poop transplants, which is wild because the information shared, I had no idea about. Like, I, m- my poop transplant knowledge is like very, very basic. Like, I understand how it works and I understand kind of why some people might do it. And I think I saw a TV show on it, I don't know, three years ago, like once. And that's like basically all the knowledge that I have. But as somebody who does enemas, who does water enemas, who does coffee enemas, this type of thing is is really interesting to me. So I'm really glad that we actually talked about it because I'm always curious about like next level biohacking and what I want to look into and try. And yeah, I have no idea what this would look like, but yeah, you you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think I want to do like a suppository first before trying to do a poop transplant with somebody else. But anyway, we'll see. So a shout out to the sponsors for this week, Sensate. So I love Sensate. I have been working with Sensate for over a year. And this is a device that hangs around your neck. It tones your vagus nerve. And it really just gets you to feel very grounded and rooted in yourself and takes you out of the fight or flight mode. You can pair it with an app or their app that has like various soundscapes. It's just kind of like like this little like quiet moment for yourself. So I love, love it. And then also Inside Tracker, I just posted a video on Instagram this week actually of my latest biological age test that I did with them, which is called Inner Age 2.0. And this test looks at different biomarkers and assesses like how old you are internally. So go check out that video. I'm not going to tell you what my results are. So go, go and see that video. It's yeah, it was interesting because obviously some biomarkers are making me older. Some are making me younger. And every time I get tested, I do this test. So it's actually my fourth time doing it. So it's interesting how the different life decisions I'm making and health decisions I'm making like actually impact me internally on a very, very micro level. So if you are interested in doing the biological age test, go for it. I really suggest it. It's a great starting point for 
what type of healthy habits you need to be doing for what you should be supplementing with instead of just guessing and kind of like taking every single supplement that you hear about on a podcast, actually just get tested and figure out what you personally need, not what like the general public should be taking. So that is my suggestion. Go for it. Discount code biohacking, Brittany, all capitals use it and save yourself some money on the tests. Thank you for listening. I am super stoked to be coming to you next week, first week of September. My birthday's in September, which is really exciting. Yes, I'm a Virgo. Surprise, surprise. I actually do not know a lot about astrology. I know very, very little. So maybe I should do an episode on astrology, but I don't know how biohacky that is. Enjoy this episode and I will catch you next week. Okay. Welcome everybody to a brand new episode of biohacking with Brittany. I am so honored and thankful that you are here listening today. I know there are a ton of podcasts out there that you can listen to. And so every time that you give me half an hour, an hour of your time, I really, really appreciate it. And today we are talking about a brand new product and actually like a brand new, almost like modality when I was thinking about this today of really supporting the immune system and working on our nasal microbiome or nasal biome, which is wild because like, I don't know anything about this. I haven't even heard of this until I saw this new product. So we are joined by Joyce Dales. So Joyce, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And we were just chatting. You are a subscriber, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah, I love your podcast. You touch on nine thousand. Like, if there could be a checklist of things I'm currently obsessed with, you're hitting like ninety percent of them. Oh, that's awesome. That's so exciting. I'm so curious of like what you're into that I actually don't talk about that maybe I should bring somebody on who's an expert. I have an answer. I have an immediate answer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think the cure to everything is poop transplants. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Writing it down right now. I'm obsessed with the topic. Wow. I know very little about it. I've seen a documentary, I think on Netflix or something like quite a few years ago. And it was, it was mostly about like weight loss and weight gain and how if you transfer the microbiome of stool to somebody else, it can like change how they lose weight and gain weight. But like, other than that, like I really don't know much about it at all. I have been reading about it for about 10 years now. And I've, I'm like a person in a room obsessed with a serial killer. And imagine my head is a cork board with all the red thread connecting things about poop and what it could be doing for us with regards to disease, age reversal, disease resolution, restoring our gut biome, fighting every modern illness and sensitivities to our environment. It seems to be for me, the golden ticket out of a lot of illness. And the more I research it, the more I become convinced of this. Wow. 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 Okay. So let's, we can just briefly talk about this, although this is not what your business currently does, but so ideally, would there be a product? I guess my question is how does this type of idea and modality become mainstream so that I can do this somehow and get the benefits of like swapping poop with somebody. 
<laughs> so the DIY poop community is is very it's flourishing. It's very big. So I'll just I'll tell you the way that my little poop journey started with learning as you probably did when it hit the news that they you know changed obese twin mice one obese one thin with poop transplant and then they discovered the same thing with humans that they were noticing people who received poop transplants as a solution to C diff chronic C diff that was life threatening that they would notice changes in the person's metabolism their diabetes status their fibromyalgia their arthritis all of these autoimmune diseases that they could see it go in either direction dependent upon the donor and that person's status would be transferred to the recipient so that's always been fascinating to me but i wanted to know more why and over the years and i may be wrong because this is just biohacking joyce <laughs> obsessing <laughs> using my ocd powers for good well i don't even have a choice about how i obsess about these things but what i've discovered is that the reason i think one part of why I think that this is such an effective modality is because of the probiotic and not specific, not just this one, but all of them, but it it could be a big part of it is L-ruteri. So L-ruteri is the one probiotic that is a human breast milk derived probiotic. And somebody patented it back in the sixties or seventies or whatever, so that nobody can put it in their formulations or they have to pay through the nose to do it. So getting your hands on quality L-ruteri is difficult and it is critical to our health. There are many, many published studies about when people on surgical wound floors, elderly people are given L-ruteri while in hospital, they've cut their infection and surgical complication rates by 80% simply with that one. Wow. Yeah. So that's profound. So then I started hearing more things about things like a lactoferrin and it's in, it's an inhibitory effect on COVID. And all of so I I think it's all connected, that it all comes down to there's a, not just L-ruteri, but a number of human-derived or probiotics, beneficial bacteria that live in especially children's poop, that if we were using it on older people who have autoimmune issues and diseases, that we could be reseeding their biome, improving their terrain and reversing their disease process. And just this past June in the Daily Beast, not that I ever follow the, you know, I, I don't really read a lot online of traditional mainstream anything, but they had an amazing article that, hey, everybody should start banking their poop while they're young so that when they're old, they'll have their own poop just like cord blood to deal with any diseases they get through the aging process. Wow. I like, this is just like blowing my mind. <laughs> I know, I'm like, with it. You have to join me in my obsession. I will. I will. It's just, it's crazy that, I mean, it's just crazy that there's so much research done on the benefits of like poop transplants. And this is not even near like commonplace and mainstream. And it's even like the fact that you said there's like a community of people who do this, even that is shocking to me because like, I haven't heard of that. I don't know who's in that type of community. Like how do you even get a part of that type of community? It's probably like a Facebook group. Yeah, That's just crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it started with the siblings of moms with children with autism. And that's when I started reading about that because I have a friend with a profoundly affected nonverbal autistic son. And I know she was playing with the idea and the healthy siblings were going to be donors. And she could not at that time find any sort of doctor to help her facilitate this. And that lady went out and bought a blender and did it herself. And the child's, yeah, the child's gut issues began to resolve profoundly 
profoundly, the behaviors began to abate, not completely, obviously, it's not a cure, this is not a cure, but it's relief, Mm. it's a pathway towards something better. And for some of us, that's major. And some for some of us, it's baby steps. But I really, there's a lot of people online doing it, it kind of starts in the enema community, you know, where that's where you got to go first. And do you know where all this started? Farmers have always known this. When one cow is sick, they will take the healthiest cow's poop in the herd, put it in their hand and shove it up their butts. Boom, infusion. Wow. Yeah. So I'm definitely a part of the enema community in terms of like water enemas and coffee enemas. Like the next thing I was thinking about looking into was like suppositories and colonics, which is like all kind of the same thing. Well, suppositories are a bit different, but this is definitely next level. And for the strain of bacteria that you mentioned from mother's breast milk, I'm actually just going to write it down. Can you spell it out for me? I know that's so tedious to ask you, but... No, it's fine. It's lactobacillus, which you probably already know how to spell. But let me go ahead and get my l ruteri going to Google it really quick so I don't mislead anybody with the uh, the name. So it's Lactobacillus, L-A-C-T-O-B-A-C-I-L-L-U-S, Ruteri, R-E-U-T-E-R-I, Ruteri. Ruteri. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure exactly how you were saying it. So that makes sense because this is definitely something that I want to look into. And it's also interesting that you say that they patent this bacteria, but how is that possible if it's like a natural bacteria from mother's milk? Exactly. How did they accomplish that? I would say some money changed hands or it was just as crooked as can be. But yeah, patented. As far as I know, that's why it's so hard to get your hands on quality l The people that are providing it in their probiotics are, I believe, paying for the access to that strain or the privilege of that strain. That's wild. That's so wild. So if I have a kid and I start breast milk or breastfeeding, then I can just like take that milk and get this bacteria from that milk and drink it myself or sell it on Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) I've got the the patent number right here, Lactobacillus ruteri. So I think that lacto, if you were to think of like breast milk, if you were to think of like breaking the atom down to find the benefit, the bottom of the benefit, the root benefit, it would be sort of colostrum to breast milk, or no, I'm sorry, I went backwards. Breast milk to colostrum to lactoferrin, to l ruteri. I think there's a direct line as you break it down to where the benefit is. And I think l ruteri is at the base of that. Yeah, this is very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, even like, yeah, there's so many things that are changing in terms of like what you can do when you're young, like super young, like childhood, and how that can benefit you when you're older, like stem cells. And then Yeah, like saving stem cells and also saving your poop from when you're a child. This is just like mind boggling, like next level biohacking. (laughs) It is. And if you've got a child in your house that is the healthiest, you know, you could bank their poop for yourself when you're older, whether it's a biological child or not. I know of parents who have taken their young, healthiest child, their poop and made, as you said, suppositories with, you don't have to buy anything special for it. You just take a tiny bit of poop, a little bit of coconut oil, and apparently you mix it up and twist it into a tootsie roll of saran wrap or in, they they do sell little molds and you pop it in the freezer and then you can vacuum pack them and save them. Just micro, like micro dosing poop. You don't need a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting when I have a kid one day and try to convince my partner to do this Um, because I will definitely do it, but I don't know if he will do it. (laughs) I think my husband who's 56 this year, I think he's because I just turned 50. So the two of us are like, you know, I'm open to anything. Once you hit your late 40s, 50s, you become very open-minded. Okay. Fair. That's fair. But I like trying these things now. Like I, even though, I don't know, like, why not? You know, if it could only be beneficial, why not? Well, you should, because you're trying to hang on to something that I didn't know I needed to hang on to in my thirties. So you are in the position I'm trying to recover at 50, which I, if I had known what I know now in my thirties, I would have started then. So you've got the benefit of getting the jump on it. Improving it out, you know, improving it out. It's going to be hard for my, if my generation was the only one trying all these biohacking things, it's, you know, we're going to see a benefit, but we're not going to be the proof in the pudding. Your generation will be 20 years from now. But honestly, it's pretty hard to convince people who are, I don't know what age, like maybe let's say like 30 and under 35 and under, like, it's pretty hard sometimes to convince people to take your health so seriously when they don't necessarily have like serious health problems happening yet. That's true. Although the last two years has probably scared the crap out of younger people than ever and made people hyper aware of having to biohack your life to stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, this is like always the thing that I've like thought about preventable or preventative health, I guess, and preventative like nutrition and lifestyle and all that type of stuff is like, it's so great to do it, but you don't necessarily see the direct benefits because you're slowly preventing something from maybe happening, but you'll never know if that thing like happened or happened sooner or happened more severely by doing these things. If that makes sense, it's kind of like invisible almost. No, you're exactly right. I mean, most of us in my forties, I only started diving into my own health on that level and becoming really interested in it because of fear, because I had like a bad blood sugar test or says, you know, I have always had a cardiac issue, which is why we adopted our daughters. So I'm motivated by the fear of that. And you and younger people may not have that. However, I really think maybe the last two years gave them their very first health scare without it being direct to them. And maybe it'll be just the motivation needed because honestly, nothing's more motivating than fear. Yes, I do agree with that. Like my, a lot of my motivation comes from like seeing the health troubles that my parents have been through and then fear of that happening to me. And whether it's like mental health issues or like my mom had a hysterectomy and like had a whole bunch of things happen like with her ovaries and that type of thing. And so there's always been this like idea that when you get older, it's going to be so much harder to stay healthier. So like let's ingrain healthy habits today. So in 30 years from now, I am in like a good place, you know? Right. And you also want to avoid that trap of believing it, you know, of manifesting that because it's a space because you're always living in a, you know, I believe for the longest time that I was genetically destined to X, Y, and Z. And now I, after studying epigenetics and, and seeing people change their lives and change their destiny, that I think a lot of it has to do with the biology of belief and taking action, taking positive action to turn, to manifest what you want. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. There is something really helpful about 
getting your DNA tested. Like I've had my DNA tested and it's kind of like a blueprint. You know, you, you kind of know you might be susceptible to certain things in the future, but it definitely does not mean that this is how your life is going to play out or vice versa, that type of thing. Like you actually have a lot more control than you probably think you do. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. When I did my DNA, all I did was scare the crap out of myself. I made the mistake of like doing all of the sub, you know, when you read your DNA data and you run it through different places to find out all the other stuff that they don't provide on the main site. Well, I basically just, (laughs) I went down a rabbit hole of a month of terror because I came up with the BRCA gene. So I was like, that's it. I went to the doctor. I showed him my results. He's like, you're going to need to be talking about mastectomy, radical double mastectomy and a hysterectomy and blah, blah, blah. And three weeks later, after paying a bunch of different people to review my results and then finally winding up at, I forget where, somewhere in Boston, uh, Deaconess, and I had a geneticist go through my stuff and she called, I love this person. She called me on the 4th of July, knowing with young daughters that I was just living in a horrible headspace for weeks on end because of this, like a really, you know how you wake up and remember something awful has happened. I was in that place and that's really hard when you have little kids. And she called me on the 4th of July and she's like, Hey, I've, I've mined your data. You have BRCA, but it is not the kind that causes any of that. It is completely benign. She t- it was like somebody had handed me a winning Powerball ticket, but that was the danger of me mining my data myself. <laughs> I ruined a month of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that too. You have to be careful. Honestly, it's kind of like that with every test that you get, like DNA is, is tough because you can't change it. But even when I do other tests, like I always, you have to, I don't know, you have to go in, into it like, yeah, it's super helpful, but it's not the end all be all type of idea. Yeah. You're totally um, right. You're totally right. But it is very easy with the internet and our access to information today to like get swept up and be like, this variation means this thing. And like, who knows what's going to happen now? And like, you know, and then there's just fear and, and yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Imagine what I could have done to myself or what I could living in that emotion for that long. That was so cool, but that was early in my journey and it was silly and foolish and lesson learned. And you are 100% right. There's value in the home testing. It's really empowering, but mine's the cautionary tale of, I don't know what the cautionary tale was there. It was just an awful story. It was awful. (laughs) Do you ever feel frazzled, not grounded, stressed, and like you have way too much on your plate? Of course, you know you should be taking time for self-care, but doesn't mean you actually are, and it kind of just feels like another thing on your to-do list. I have definitely been there. It's tough to kind of balance everything these days, especially for those of us working from home with extra side hustles and or kids. Stress reduction feels like a nice idea, but never something easily achievable in the moments when we need it the most. I believe in solutions that use science to help us be healthier on a daily basis, but without crazy technology or tools that aren't accessible or affordable for everybody. I use Sensate, which is something that I've been using for a long time now, and I spoke about a lot last year which is a groundbreaking innovation in wellness technology that uses the natural power of sonic resonance to calm your body's nervous system, providing immediate, immediate, let me tell you, relief and long-term benefits from regular, regular use. It calms your nerves and helps you feel better in as few as 10 minutes per day. 
It improves stress resilience to help you cope with whatever life throws at you. And it increases heart rate variability, a known biomarker of health and longevity. This is so important because for many of us, our body's built-in stress management system is simply just an overdrive. Sensate's novel patented technology was designed to send infrasonic waves through the chest to reach the vagus nerve that sits deep in the core of our nervous system. By speaking to our body's command center, we can control how we respond to all the positive and negative things that we experience each day, which is just so cool and such an easy, easy biohack to bring in every day. You can use my discount code, which is biohackingbrittany in all capitals. Um, I will put the link in the show notes and it's on my shop page at biohackingbrittany.com and you get $25 off today. If you have any questions about it or when you get it, please message me. I'd love to chat as this is one of my favorite biohacking tools to use on a regular basis. So you are the CEO of Buzzagogo, which is the cutest little name. I love it, which is like nasal swab remedies. And this was so interesting when you, when I received this in the mail, because for everyone who doesn't know what this is, it's basically like, like they use Manuka honey, which is really cool. We're going to talk about that, but, and then you like swab it with a cotton swab and you put it into the inside of your nose to support your nasal biome, which is very cool. So I've never seen anything like this before. Again, like I said, in the beginning, I've never even heard of the nasal biome. So can you just take us back to the beginning of why you started this company and this product and like kind of how you got to that point? Okay. So I started the company when I, my daughters are adopted from China and Vietnam. And the first, my oldest girl, when we brought her home from Vietnam in the middle of her adoption, she needed emergency open heart surgery from Agent Orange. So generations of kids are still being impacted by the soil being, it's a forever chemical. So it's in the soil. So she needed a full pulmonary graft and fast forward to now. So everybody can know it's okay. She's a almost 15 year old athlete. And she's just astonishingly healthy. And so anyway, but at that time I was getting on a plane to go to Vietnam and that there was a, a mainstream nasal swab at the time that I'd been using as a teacher that got pulled from the market for hurting people's sense of smell due to the chemicals in the zinc. And I was so bummed out to get on a plane, five planes to go to Vietnam. I was like, well, now what am I getting? What am I going to do? So being the kind of person I am, I began to research, 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 why the nose and how do we get sick? And then when my daughter came home and she was deemed immunocompromised, I kind of felt the way that we've all felt in the last two years. I was like, heck no, I'm not going to live in fear of every cough and sniffle and I know that that's life. So what can I do about that? So I began consulting with every expert and doctor on the planet. And over her first year home, I learned everything I could about how we get sick. And what I learned was that 1% of the time, it's through the air when you have to be taking care of somebody who's sick or they cough or sneeze right next to you. Most of the time, we catch it when we inoculate ourselves by touching our eyes, ears, nose, or mouth with our hands. And then the pathogens travel through the eye mucosa, through, you know, through the ears, through the sinuses, to the upper nasal passages. And then it'll latch on there on these receptor sites where it'll 
it'll sit dormant for one to 14 days before it begins to pass its code to our cells. And then within hours after that phase of dormancy, our cells will begin to replicate that code millions of times over. And then you'll start to feel the thing in the back of your throat or the tickle or whatever your first sign is. And so I was fascinated by that. I'm like, wow. So there's this period of dormancy where you could do something about it. And when I was speaking to one of my doctors about this idea and and trying to learn as much as I could about it, he was like, oh yeah, well, when hospital personnel are colonized with MRSA, we offer them these ampules of alcohol that they burst into the nose because they're colonized in the nasal passages. And then the worry is, is that if you don't completely carpet bomb the area that the pathogen can become antibiotic, more antibiotic resistant, or you do sterilize the area. But in the process, if you're successful in killing the MRSA or the VRE, you also kill all the beneficial bacteria, which then opens the person up to a never ending series of infection risk for common everyday pathogens, like cold, flu, sinusitis, bacteria, viruses, all of that. So this information, as I began to learn it was mind-boggling. It was like, what is this state secret that has been kept from us? First of all, stop touching anything above your head and the odds of getting a cold have just been cut tremendously. Second of all, the nose is a what? A biome? It's supposed to be full of beneficial bacteria. So I've I was just sort of like, that's that's amazing, empowering information. And every product I found on the market was either providing cold relief and has side effects, but nothing was really offering prevention other than elderberry, zinc, vitamin C, which are all pretty much dealing with the gut biome, which is designed for your overall immune system, but nothing was talking about the nasal biome. Every spray has sodium benzoate, alcohol, every neti pot has sterilizing levels of saline in order for the neti pot to be safe to go higher into the sinuses. There was nothing that fit the bill. So that's how I... I just became arrogantly determined that I was going to figure this problem out and do something about it. And I've always been into apotherapy. I'm obsessed with honeybees. I grew up in rural Maine and um, natural medicine is just sort of, you know, the way my grandmother was. And so I decided that super honeys were probably the solution to this because they can be antimicrobial but also be probiotic, have beneficial flora at the same time. So they can deal with an active infection, although I make no curative claims at all. Honey is just naturally antimicrobial. And it might be a smart thing to swab into the nose where something might be attempting to colonize. But honey's also prebiotic, probiotic, humectant, and a vasoconstrictor to deal with the swelling. So for me, it was like round robin, perfect solution. And I just started playing around with honey. And that's how it got started. I love that. I really do love that. I know you you use manuka honey and like active manuka honey and when which comes from New Zealand. So when I was I lived in New Zealand for a while and it was so fascinating when I was there because it was everywhere and I tried so many different ones and it was like so cool to see how much like it's a part of the culture in New Zealand and how good it is and then you come to Canada and it's like so hard to find. It's so expensive, like so expensive, even in Whole Foods and stuff. And, but I get it. Like, I get it. Like it's superior to, you know, just regular honey. And I'm sure that's kind of like why you chose to kind of go this route for using it in your products, right? Yes. Because there's several super honeys around the world and each one of them does do these amazing things and have amazing properties, but no two 
can be scientifically identified as having the same base reason for being so antimicrobial. Like Scottish Highland heather honey acts just like Manuka, but by a completely different mechanism that hasn't been isolated. So I, I became obsessed with Manuka honey at that time. It was just hitting the scene. And I was calling this gentleman by the name of Dr. Peter Mullen at the University of Waikito. And he's sort of the father of Manuka honey. So that man got on the phone with me on the regular for about a year and would, and I would email him and he would just let me pick his brain before he passed away, sadly, of lymphoma. And you know, the funny thing is he hated the taste of Manuka and I do too, kind of. So we had this little bonding moment over how beneficial it is, but how gross the strongest Manuka can be. But I learned so much from him about honey corruption. His findings have been corrupted since he passed away. It's really infuriating. There's so much corruption in honey counterfeiting going on that I only use um, honey that uses his rating system, UMF honey, because it's the one that I trust the most. So I took... The Manuka honey, he helped me source my honey. And then I also found some other honeys from around the world that I felt were beneficial for base honeys. And I started to blend them all together. And that took, gosh, a couple of years because you'd be amazed at how different honey can behave in the nasal biome. Like sometimes we'd test it and we'd get, we'd, everybody would get a headache. There was one time we tried honey and everybody's blood pressure went up. And and we knew that that honey had been cut with some really corrupt, like maybe corn syrup, because corn syrup can raise your blood pressure nasally. So it was a long process to find, I guess, the sweet spot and make it a consistent experience and also have it still work. So that took a couple of years. And then I thought, oh, I'm just going to sell this at farmer's markets. That's my thinking, because I grew up at a little country store in Maine. And I'm like, I'm going to jar it. And it's going to be so simple. And then my husband, who has a law degree, is like, no, that's not how it works when it comes to medicine and noses and OTC. So then we had to go through the FDA compliance process, which I don't know that I would have done if I'd known how terrifying and time consuming that would be. But I'm really glad that I did because today my silly little nose honey remedy and me talking about the booger biome is all it's everywhere. It's it's been exploding, especially since COVID because I've been talking about the booger biome for 10 years and now people don't look at me like I'm insane anymore. There's sort of this acknowledgement like, yeah, that's, oh, that makes sense. And it's such a relief because, you know, it's a strange topic. How can you tell if your healthy and not so healthy decisions are impacting your health on a cellular level or even impacting your biological age? Feeling better is one thing and having symptoms get better is one thing, but there's something completely different about having the data and the numbers behind it. This can be very helpful for both your short-term and your long-term goals. We need to be testing ourselves regularly so we know where we stand, whether it's testing our vitamin levels, cholesterol, blood sugar, whatever it is, the proof is in the data. It can be such a pain to get tested through our doctors and our clinics. And when we do these tests, often they don't even give us all the biomarkers that we ask for. That's why I love at-home tests. I find it super interesting to get my biological age test specifically because it indicates how all of my decisions are impacting me. Your biological age is a representation of your health conditions and a predictor of how soon you can exhibit chronic conditions of late life. This is obviously compared to our chronological age, which is just the amount of time that has passed since we were born. When I first got tested last year, my results said I was 19.7 years old. And the second time I was tested, it said I was 18 years old. 
and I was 27 at the time. I recently got my biological age tested again through Inside Tracker's inner age test. And this time it said I was 22 years old and I'm now 28. My age actually went up. <laughs> and this is likely because my HbA1c levels were higher after spending 10 days in Costa Rica recently, where I had a ton of cocktails and fruit and carbs, and also just eating more carbs and processed food in the last few months. The great thing about Inside Tracker's inner age test is that it actually shows you which specific biomarkers are making you older or making you younger. And it identified that my HbA1c needs to come down because it's actually making me older on a cellular level, which is so helpful to know and know what I need to be doing next. Knowing your age can help you make these changes and help you just really make smarter decisions and be more informed moving forward. I always get tested through Inside Tracker, and you can as well, and use my discount code at checkout, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. It's linked on my website underneath my shop, and it'll be on my show notes as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think that's awesome that your business has just like done so well and you've really helped bring this to people during this time. Obviously the immune system is like kind of front of mind for everybody. So in terms of like nasal biome, like how, how would you know, or how would somebody know if their nasal microbiome is healthy or unhealthy right now? I think we can all pretty much consider our nasal biomes compromised by the time we hit 40, just because we are living in perpetual toxicity. And if you've ever had antibiotics, if you've ever been a user of other nasal sprays and things like that, you've run the risk of compromising your biome. But for me, I think it's just, I just consider everybody immunocompromised post-COVID. I feel like we are all enduring such a toxic load in our environments, never mind the things we've been exposed to in the last two years. So I'm I just think everybody could use a little nasal immune boost. I think kids, maybe they don't need it as much unless they've been on a ton of antibiotics and they suffer from chronic sinus issues because kids are such healthy little, their terrain is still intact. Right. And is there anything that we can do to like, other than just using your product, is there anything that we can do to support our nasal biome for it to be healthier, like on a daily basis? Yeah. Everything that you would do to support your gut biome is good. They are connected. One is just the first line of defense to the other. So if you are building your gut biome, your nasal biome will be building as well. But do avoid excessive saline and anything with sodium benzoate, anything with glycerin, anything that can stun your cilia and inhibit your nose's ability to trap and prevent. And also in the, in the winter, if you're running the heat or you're going on airplanes, you can change your pH and your moisture so dramatically that you can have a little nasal die off and that can open your risk factor. You know, the crispy booger phase of winter, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting, interesting because like the skin has a microbiome as well. And it's very much reflective of kind of what's going on in your gut as well. So that totally makes sense that your nasal biome would be the same way. 
Yeah, it's all connected. And, and the nose is just a little, it, it's such a small part of the biome, but it's amazing how it is the gatekeeper for getting pathogens getting into your body. I don't think I'd ever quite respected it or understood the significance of it until I began this journey. Exactly. So if you are to use honey, like the Manuka honey, is it something that you would use, you know, when you're not feeling well and you're kind of feeling stuffy or is this like preventative and we should be doing this daily? I tend to tell people if you're actively sick and your nose is running, use it three times a day because you want to knock it out, you know, help with the inflammation. If your nose is running, it's hard to get the product where it needs to be. If you're just looking to use it to boost your immune system and help your nose be the strongest it can be and fight off germs. I tend to use it when the kids are on swim team in the winter, three times a week, just before bedtime. And I'll put a little bit on the back of my hand and then wet my Q-tip and twirl it in there. And then just, then I don't use it quite as thick, full strength, so to speak, because it helps to stretch the product out. And it also, you don't want to go to bed feeling completely sticky every night, but you don't mind that so much when you're actively trying to fight a cold. Yes. Yeah. Like I played around with different doses as well. And it's obviously much easier when it's like just a little bit of a little bit on the inside because it's not sticky. It kind of doesn't go everywhere as well. Like, (laughs) but then again, it's like honey. And so like, what do you expect? It also, I actually like the taste of it. So it doesn't really matter to me, but I think that's, I think that's smart. And it's like most things when we're talking biome, right? Yeah. You want to take probiotics when you're sick for your gut, but also like you should really try and eat fermented food weekly to have a diverse and healthy microbiome to begin with and not just kind of treat it afterwards, you know? Yeah. You want to just use it as another tool in your toolbox. And I often tell people to treat it the way that we treat toddler toothpaste. You only need the size of like a zero on a keyboard to get the job done. Like a tiny bit gets the job done because your body heat really spreads that honey out. The moment I don't water or adulterate my honey at all. Because the moment you do that, you change the viscosity to turn it into a spray. You either have to gamma radiate it or you have to add sodium benzoates to stabilize. So it's, there's, there's, it's problematic to do that. So use a tiny little bit and then just trust your body to thin it out. Your nasal mucosa that naturally exists will thin it out. And then your little cilia will deliver it exactly where it needs to go. And within 10 or 15 minutes, you'll start to taste the sweetness in the back of your throat. Nice. I love that. So in terms of like product and what's next, what do you have new ideas coming down the pipeline or where are you going with this in the next couple of years? Yeah, I have a ton of new products in the pipeline. Basically, if moms have a stress and a worry, I want to solve that because as an adoptive mama, I spend a lot of sleepless nights worrying, researching, and I feel like boo-boos and tummy upsets and colds and sniffles that's all in my wheelhouse. And I have done all of the OCD anxiety worrying for you and the research. So I want to, I have a series of honey infused products that I want to put out in the next, I'd say two years that will address a lot of those troubles. Oh, I love that. I cannot wait to see everything that you have that comes out. So if everyone listening wants to try this for themselves, where can they go and how can they connect with you? If anybody wants to reach me directly, you can reach out through any of my social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, 
Um, you can reach out to me at Joyce at buzzagogo.com and I will answer every email personally. I get a lot of emails from moms at 1am asking, you know, everybody's got that moment and I love to be helpful in that moment because that's just the worst. It's the absolute worst. You can also reach me if you want to order, you can go to www.coldbegone.com and that's B with two E's like a bumblebee or buzzagogo.com. Either one will work. And then you can order it through Amazon or my website, or you can find it at your local store because we have a lot. We just got picked up by a ton of new placement. That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah. I will put all of those links in the show notes so everyone can find them and try this themselves because it's such an innovative product. It's so cool. And I really think all of the biohackers out there are going to be super interested in trying this. So thank you for coming on and thanks for talking about the biome and poop transplants and everything. And yeah, I just learned a lot from you and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.